Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Hebrews tells us there is no remission. You can't eliminate sin. It would require a perfect sacrifice. Someone coming to live on this earth who would never sin. And I think you have to understand this this morning. Sometimes we don't understand this. God had one plan. It was Jesus going to the cross. There wasn't plan B. If Jesus would have failed, we'd all be still in our sins. No hope of ever being right with God. In today's message, we'll discuss some of the most basic, but also some of the most important facts regarding faith in Jesus. First of all, we must understand our need for Him. You see, the Scriptures teach us that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. In the book of Romans, we learn that there is none righteous, not even one. So, what then can we do? Well, we need deliverance, we need cleansing, we need to be saved. And that can only come through the shed blood of Jesus. He came to this earth as the spotless Lamb of God. By His sacrifice, because of what He has done, we now have a way to be forgiven. If only we would believe. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 27, for part one of our message entitled, Peter, Satan, and the Cross. the cross mean to you? What does it say to you? Now you understand the cross is a pretty common symbol. It's everywhere. It's around some of your necks this morning and maybe on your earlobes. And... But the cross, the symbol is everywhere, but the understanding of the cross is really not there. See, most people today even believe the cross is kind of a senseless thing. It's history, but it has nothing to do with them personally. In a poll that was conducted last year, 45% of the people asked said that they believe Jesus Christ, while he lived, committed sins. They don't understand the cross. Today in our passage, Jesus is going to explain to his disciples what the cross means. We'll see that they don't get it either. Maybe this will be a refreshment for you, but I hope it's fresh for you about the cross of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 27, Mark chapter 8. Now Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? So Jesus' disciples are kind of walking around this area. They're on the kind of the suburbs of Caesarea Philippi. They're here, and Jesus is asking them a very important question, which he's going to use to springboard into his mission to tell them why he's come to this earth. We're in the middle of the book of Mark. And Jesus is asking a question. As I've been walking the land, as I've been ministering to people, what does the person on the street think about me? What is their idea? Who do they think I am? What, do they realize I'm the Son of God? Or what is their opinion? So he asks the disciples. And naturally the disciples are among the people. So they kind of hear when they're in the crowds, Who is this guy? What is he? And what's he doing? So Jesus asks him. Look at verse 28. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, 
Others say Elijah and still others, one of the prophets. So the disciples respond kind of like this. Well, Jesus, you're very popular in the polls. I mean, the people on the street like you, Jesus. They like you very much. They like your miracles. They like your teaching. But really, they, some of them think you're John the Baptist who has been raised from the dead. Or you're the prophet Elijah who's come back. Or really just one of the prophets that God said would come. The Jewish people at this time didn't get it. They didn't understand that Jesus was the Messiah. They were blinded to the spiritual truth. They didn't get it at all. Jesus takes this broad statement about what other people think about him. And he does something very interesting. You'll see on the overhead, he asks a personal question. Look at verse 29. Jesus basically turns to his disciples and he says, But what about you? Who do you say I am? You see, Jesus takes it down to a personal level. He asks his disciples, All right, I know what you said the people think, but what about you and you and you and you? What do you think about me? Who am I? This is what Christianity is all about. It's about a personal relationship with the God of creation. See, Jesus is saying to his disciples, what about you? You as an individual were made to know God, to have a relationship with God. God created you as an individual to know him and to relate to him. And you disciples, what about you? Who do you think I am? Because see, one day, disciples, you will stand before this God, your creator, and you will give an answer for what you've done with Jesus Christ. The answer that you're about to give me is an important one. Think before you give it. You see, I like to be around people. I love to be around my wife. I like to spend time with my wife. I like being around you guys. I like being around people. But see, there's a day coming when I stand before God on Judgment Day, I will not be standing with my wife at my side, all of you behind me going, go Balmer, go Pastor Balmer, go Pastor Mark. I'm going to stand before God one-on-one. -on -one. I'm going to stand before God as an individual. And I'm going to respond to God. And he's basically going to say one thing to me. Do you have a personal relationship with my son, Jesus Christ? He knows it already, but that's, that's how I get there. You see, it brings it down to where? One-on-one. -on -one. That's what Christianity is all about. The world doesn't get it. They think religion is this group thing. It is, but it's in its most common element. It's one-on-one. -on -one. Well, how does Peter respond when asked? Look at verse 29. And Peter answered, You are the Christ. Shy Peter speaks for all the disciples. And he gives the only correct response. When you ask somebody who Jesus is, today there's lots of responses. He's a nice guy. He was a good teacher. He lived 2,000 years ago. Isn't that guy? They call him Jesus or something. He was one of many wonderful prophets. No, that's not the right answer. There is only one answer. And Peter gave it. He said, you are the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Somehow, between where we were last week and where Jesus is here, some scales have fallen off Peter's eyes. He begins to see it. This is a 
a foundational point in everybody's life. Peter says you are God's son who has come to earth in the flesh. I'm going to give you three little building blocks this morning to discipleship. You see, when you were called to become a follower of Jesus Christ, that word is disciple. It means one who is under authority. And you are a learner under authority. God didn't call you to be a convert. He called you to be a disciple. Go into all the world and make disciples, not converts. So the first foundational stone is belief that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. That's what Peter says. He says, I believe you are the Son of God, the Messiah. That's good, but that's just the first step in a process. James chapter 2.19 says this, You believe there's one God? Good. But even the demons believe, and they shudder. So, just because, and that's what I believe probably this survey was really about, even though the people didn't understand it. They believe that if you believe in God... And in Jesus, that's all it means to be a Christian. But it's much more than that, guys. Because this morning, the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And they do one better than most of us. They're fearful. Why would demons be fearful of Jesus? Because he cast them out. He had authority. So the spirit world of demons and Satan, which is a real world, believe in God, and they certainly believe in Jesus. Are they going to be in heaven with us? Not a chance, because it takes more than that foundation. That's a good foundation, but it takes more. So now Jesus is going to explain what the more is. He's going to talk to the disciples about his mission, why he's come to earth, what he's going to do. And what he's going to talk about is the path that he's walking right now that's going to lead him to a cross, to be crucified. This is brand new news to the disciples. They don't get it. They don't, it's very easy for us to look back and go, well, how come they didn't get it? I mean, I mean it's, that's what Christianity is all about. But they didn't understand it at the point. So the second step that we see this morning in discipleship, first you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He is the Messiah. And secondly, there has to be personal acceptance of Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You see, it's more than a general sense that there is a God and there is a Jesus. It brings it down to a one-on-one -on -one relationship. You have to recognize that you are a sinner. You have to recognize that Jesus died on the cross for you. You have to repent of your sins. And you have to receive Jesus as your personal Savior. We call that here the four R's. So what we're talking about as we go through that is this. You must acknowledge your need as a sinner, that you have sinned. That's what the cross is all about. As we go through, we'll talk about that in a moment. So the first step is believe there is a God and Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But then personally accept him in my life by acknowledging my need. Now notice the third step there is repent of your sins. Well, I'm going to do a certain thing on Saturday that's wrong, but on Saturday night I'm going to go and get forgiveness for it. Well, is that what repentance is about? No. Now you might say, well, I know what church you're talking about, but Protestants do the same thing with communion. Well, I'm going to take communion today, and then I can go live how I want until the next time we take communion. No, that's not right. Repentance, when you come to the cross and admit you're a sinner, repentance means you turn around and you walk the other way. You start serving God. So when you think about that this morning... 
Repentance is not just being sorry you got caught. Repentance means a change in lifestyle. Jesus said, by your fruit, you will know them. There will be a change in your lifestyle. There will be something that you can look back to, and I'm a different person now, because Jesus Christ has come into my life. Now look at verse 30. And Jesus warned them not to tell anybody about him. Well, why did he do that after he just shared what was going to happen? Because of this. The disciples didn't get, didn't understand that he was going to go to the cross. And so he's saying to them, don't share who I am and what my mission is because you don't get it yet. You don't understand it yet. In other words, here we are in the middle of Mark. And the middle of Mark is going to take kind of a, a cross. And we're going to go two ways as we go through the book of Mark. We're going to find out what the path is of Jesus to the cross and how all that worked. And secondly, we're going to see what it means to be a disciple. As we finish the book of Mark, verse by verse, you're going to see both of those areas. So that's what Jesus is really saying. Now look at verse 31. He then began to teach them. Notice how many times Jesus taught. You see, you teach the word of God so people can understand it, know it, and think about it, and reflect their life on it. If you look at Psalm 22, you can look at it. It's a psalm about the suffering Savior. It was a psalm written before they even knew there was anything called crucifixion. It's very interesting. Use it. Study it. So Jesus begins to teach them. Now what does he teach them? Look at verse 31. He begins to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And he spoke plainly about this. See, Jesus didn't say, well, there was a man and he had some seed and then he planted it in the ground and the man went away. He didn't give a parable. He says, I'm going to share with you four new truths. You don't have a clue about them. So I'm going to just share them point blank. Boom. Kind of like boing, boing, boing. That's it. That's what I'm going to share with you. And you need to understand them. What is he going to share? Well, look at it. He starts in that verse 31 and he says, the son of man must... Must. In the Greek, the word must means this. It's a necessity. There is no other choice. Jesus says, I'm getting ready to suffer four things. The only choice I have about it is to reject all of them or obey all of them. And Jesus says, here's what I'm going to do. Let's look at him in that verse. Number one, he's going to suffer. He must suffer many things. Number two, he must be rejected. He already is being rejected, but he'll continue to be rejected by religious leaders. Number three, he must be killed. I believe at that point the disciples never heard another thing. Then he says, I must rise again. But see, it'd be like me coming home and saying to my wife, and she doesn't even know I've gone to the doctor. Honey, I've just gone to the doctor and I have three weeks to live. She wouldn't hear anything after that because it's such a shock. So Jesus says... I must die. And I believe the disciples went, what? They didn't get anything else. This was new to them. They didn't have a clue. We do today because it's certainly in the past. They didn't understand at all. So what Jesus was saying was this, which blew them. I must. Here's a path that I'm on. I have this path. And I'm walking this path. And the end of the path of my life, you guys don't know, but the end of my path is going to include a cross. And I'm going to be punished. I'm going to be physically abused. I'm going to die on this cross. 
I'm going to be resurrected after I die. They didn't get that part. They didn't even hear that part. Now, the cross was not a Jewish form of punishment. It was a Roman form. And it represented shame, degradation, pain, suffering. Probably Jesus died naked on a cross. Now, when the disciples heard this, obviously, they're thinking in their minds, well, why does Jesus have to die? He's the Son of God. Well, let me give you seven things quickly. And number one, mankind had sinned and broken God's laws. What does that mean? Well, early in the garden, you remember that man, Adam, and Eve sinned, and they broken God's law. Now, when Adam and Eve were formed with God, they were in companionship with God. There was a uniqueness. There was a oneness. There was companionship. There was a personal relationship. But when man sinned and broke God's law, the penalty of that sin always separates. Remember this this morning. You'll hear it numbers of times. Sin separates. So man was separated from God. Now the penalty of this sin we saw in the garden was kicking Adam and Eve out. But the penalty really was, first of all, physical death. They would now die. But more than that was spiritual death. A death separated from God forever. We call that God's judgment. Another term you might hear today is called hell. The lake of fire. Now because it was a loving God, point number four is this, that God would require a way for man to be right with God again. And he would do this through the shedding of blood. Now that's strange for us. We are people today don't want to talk about the blood, but in those days that was very common. They understood sacrifice. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, they realized then, they looked down, they realized they were naked. And the first thing God did to cover up their nakedness, as if to cover up their sin, was to kill animals and make skins for them. See, life is in the blood. That's why God used sacrifice. So the Jews were used to this. Sometimes it's very different for us because we don't understand it. So God would require the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, Hebrews tells us there is no remission. You can't eliminate sin. It would require a perfect sacrifice. Someone coming to live on this earth who would never sin. And I think you have to understand this this morning. Sometimes we don't understand this. God had one plan. It was Jesus going to the cross. There wasn't plan B. If Jesus would have failed, we'd all be still in our sins. No hope of ever being right with God. So Jesus would come and live on this earth a little over 33 years and live as a perfect human being. He would be qualified to pay for the penalty of our sin. See, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he took your place. He took my place. It was substitutionary. Jesus took my place. What a great exchange for me. What a terrible exchange for him. Number eight, because of that exchange, man could be right with God forever. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says it right. He says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. So on this cross, Jesus took all of our sin. He exchanged it. So when I come to the cross, I can be right with God because now Jesus has paid for my penalty, for my sin. Well, when Peter heard this, that Jesus was going to the cross, how did he respond? Look at verse 32. 
And Peter took him, Jesus aside, and he began to rebuke him. Peter's a pretty bold guy, isn't he? And the word rebuke in the, in the Greek means to censure, to admonish, to forbid. So Peter boldly yet bluntly tries to set Jesus Christ straight. I think that's interesting. Jesus, this can't be your mission. You're wrong. But where did you come up with this crazy idea? There's no way you're going to the cross. There's no way you're going to die. Now hold your finger there and Mark. We'll be back in a minute. Turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul would speak about the cross and how people that were Jewish and how people that were Gentile would react to the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Peter and the disciples are struggling over the words of Jesus. And look what it says. Paul says, now we preach Christ, what? Crucified. That's what we're talking about this morning. A stumbling block to Jews. The cross for the Jew was a stumbling block. Peter and the other disciples didn't get it. Here's what happened when Peter heard that Jesus was going to walk to the cross. Watch. This is what happened. When Peter heard that, when he heard that path was leading to the cross, here's what happened to Peter. He stumbled over it. Now, he didn't physically stumble over it, but he stumbled over it in his mind. And he said this, wait a minute. The Messiah is to come. He's going to be our king over the nation of Israel. At that time, the nation of Israel was in bondage to Rome. And so the disciples and the Jewish scholars of those days said, when the Messiah comes, he's going to come, he's going to set up his kingdom, he's going to rule, he's going to set Israel free, and Rome is out of this place. And we're finally going to be the nation we should be. That was what was in their mind. So when Jesus says, I have another plan. I'm coming and going to the cross. I'm going to die. Die? You're supposed to be our king. What do you mean you're going to die? You mean we're going to be left under the bondage of Rome? Yes. What Jesus was saying is, it is true. God is coming. Jesus is coming to set up a kingdom that's going to be perfect. He's going to be the king. This world is going to be changed, but it's after the tribulation. They just got their timing wrong. There was a step in between here, and they missed it. And Jesus was saying to them, as one writer says so neatly, Jesus is the expected Messiah in the most unexpected way. They didn't get it. So Jesus says, yes, I am coming to establish a wonderful, peaceful, earthly kingdom, but not yet. By the way, the Jews today are still waiting for the Messiah. They still stumble over what really took place. They don't believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Now, look back in verse 23. We see what the cross means to the Jews. How about to the Gentiles? Well, foolishness to the Gentiles. The Gentiles, the cross for the Gentiles, or we'll use there the word unbeliever, because most of us are Gentiles here today. If we're believers, it isn't foolishness to us. We're all sinners. We're all destined for an eternity void of the presence of God. There's nothing we can do to erase our sin. There's nothing we can do to cleanse ourselves of our unrighteousness. But there is hope, hope in Jesus. Pastor Mark shared with us today that Jesus came to this earth to take our place, to pay the penalty of our sin. 
Because of Him, we can receive salvation and be brought into a right relationship with our Creator. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark will explain to us what the cross means. To those who are perishing, it's foolishness. To those who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, the gospel isn't always received. To those who are living in sin, following after the lusts of their flesh, committed to living according to their own understanding, well, they refuse to see that real life can be obtained from accepting God's free gift of salvation. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.